What's it like when one of your friends on death row is led away to be executed? You have a prepaid call from William A. Aguirre. An inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I had to be a different, complete guy, which is the guy who walked the walkways of San Quentin's death row and without a gang, without a, a group of people around me. It was just me. Soon after you went into to be on death row, and you didn't really understand the prison workout system so much. But then he said, we're going to do 75 sets of it. To me, that seems extreme. So I'm wondering if there's a danger of overtraining, wearing yourself out so that you're... No, no, that's actually funny. That's, and it's funny. I'll tell you why. That's a good one, man. I'll tell you why. Look, you know, the whole Welcome to Death Row Diaries. I'm Matt Ralston. And I'm William Nagara. Bill, you recommended a case for us today that is uh, Lawrence Singleton, known as the Mad Chopper. I've never heard of this. It's bizarre and pretty infuriating at the same time. Yeah, this guy is a real piece of work. Um, I had the unfortunate... Um, I guess opportunity or it was just a bad situation because he was actually at San Quentin when I got there and he was not on death row but because of the crime that he committed he was placed there for his own safety and I don't mean that he was on San Quentin's mainland because they would have killed him 10 minutes after he walked in there they had him on a, in a special trailer that was paid for by taxpayers and the governor of California, who was uh, George Duke Magian, was the guy that put him there for his own safety. So this is another reason why I've always said that these type of guys, these pedophiles and these uh, rapists, and these type of guys should just be taken out behind the courthouse and two slugs put in the back of their head. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. And I know that when you heard about this case, Matt, it really pissed you off because of what this clown did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, as we'll get into later, you know, no town would accept this guy living in their town after what he was convicted of and released from prison. So, uh, yeah, that's why he had to live in a trailer in the prison yard, basically, from what I understand. Um, but uh, I think it's because it's so it's so graphic. It, it must have been a pretty sensational thing, and I I would imagine why, right? Well, yeah. I mean, when you are accused of doing this to your child and you are placed in prison in those days, which was 19, 1980s, uh, this crime happened in 1978, the population in prison was not politically correct. The population in prison were actually about 90% convicts. And there was a rule in the yard at that time that if you have a sex crime, which called a 290, or that means sex against a child, sex on a woman, rape, any of those sexual crimes, they killed you. There was only one way for a person like that to be dealt with. As soon as you walked in the yard, somebody put a piece of steel through your heart and killed you. That is the rule. It's the convict code, what I've talked about a number of times. 
this guy was in a protective custody place, and of course, when no town would accept him, with good reason, this guy was a piece of garbage. The governor, well, it was his call, but uh, had I had the call, I would have done something totally different, but he, uh, using taxpayer dollars, had this clown placed in a special trailer on the grounds of San Quentin, outside the yard, so no one can actually get to him, and he got three meals there. He got a beautiful little cot. He got, you know, all the amenities, including medical, dental, and everything else, uh, where he should have just received a bullet to the back of the head. Yeah. So we'll get into it. I want to first remind everyone to want to first remind everyone to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Death Row Diaries, and most importantly, Patreon.com/slash Death Row Diaries, where you will get bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else just for subscribing. You can also subscribe on Anchor, so I guess I just contradicted myself, but whatever, you'll figure it out. So this guy's name is Lawrence Singleton. His nickname is The Mad Chopper, and his first conviction was what he's known for, right? Yeah. This guy was, well, basically... He's only been convicted, and I mean only not because of lesson what he did, but usually with these type of guys at his age, 50, 51 years of age, when he committed his first crime, his first known crime, let me rephrase that, because it, it is my opinion that this guy was guilty of doing this previously. It, this wasn't his first time, but he was known for basically driving around the California area up north, meaning Berkeley, Modesto County, and he was in a van. He saw this young lady named Mary Vincent. It was 1978, and really, her story and this guy's story is just one of chance. Was he looking for someone to pick up? Absolutely. He was stalking. That's what I refer when someone is stalking. He did not have a particular person in uh, on his sights, like he saw her before and he knew she would be there. So this isn't that kind of killer. This is more an opportunistic killer. He is a uh, a disorganized killer, rapist. This guy is not an organized killer. And when I refer to an organized killer, I'm talking about a person who stalks a victim, he fantasizes about her, and after a, a period of time to digest his fantasy to really get himself going, he then strikes. This killer is an opportunistic killer. Most experts consider him disorganized, although he mixes his trade, he mixes his MO. So this particular crime was unorganized. Mary Vincent was picked up. She had just left home. Um, she was told by her sister that her father was on the way home and he was angry with her. She lived in a strict middle-class type of home. Their family was a military family uh, and she was considered to be rebellious. She was outspoken um, of her sick parents. She cut classes. Um, she didn't do that well in school. But most importantly, she feared her father 
So when she heard that he was coming home and he was upset with her in particular, she ran away from home. So this is how the story of the Matt Chopper and Mary Vincent starts. Right. So she runs away from her home in Las Vegas to the Berkeley area in Northern California, which is like, at this point, pretty notorious for, or notable anyway, for having serial killers around this time. So um, do you think that he profiled her? I mean, did he, did he pass up some people? Did he recognize this is a teenage girl who's run away from home? Obviously, he doesn't know the specifics, but just recognizing a, a vulnerability or a potential target in that case. Yeah, this guy's a predator. So when he saw her standing there with a sign, a hitchhiking sign that said uh, Los Angeles, she was going to her grandfather's house because she had stayed with her boyfriend for a little while and she stayed with an uncle. It just wasn't working out with her. She was very tired of that life. She wanted to go home and she was trying to get to her grandfather's house. When this guy pulled up next to her, he, in his mind, profiled her in a, at a first glance, at a split second. He didn't need to look and talk to her. He knew what he was looking at. As I said, she was a, she was a victim and he was a predator. So there was two other people there and he said he only had room for one of them. Of course, that one was Mary Vincent, a 15-year-old child. The other hitchhikers told her, they warned her, do not get in that van. She kind of blew them off because she was very tired. She just wanted to get going. And she climbed in into what would turn into a nightmare. Yeah. So she's 15. She gets in the van with this middle-aged guy. I don't know how old he is in his 40s at this point. Um, but in his 50s. And pretty creepy looking, too. So not a great decision obviously not not trying to blame the victim but um she gets in yeah yeah you know she's she does what a lot of kids do they uh, and, and i talk about this all the time when your instincts tell you there's something wrong something doesn't feel right for god's sake please pay attention to those instincts that's that's the radar in inside of your head that tells you you're in danger. In today's society, people overwrite that and they say they're gonna be fine. And unfortunately, sometimes they get in close proximity to a monster. And that's exactly what happened with Mary. Um, she got on the van, uh, she introduced herself, and they, did, they had some small talk. And once she felt that things were probably okay, she actually drifted off to sleep, sleeping in, in well, basically in the in the passenger side, the shotgun seat. She was sitting there, and she kind of dozed off. And something made her wake up, and she took a look, and she realized that they were headed east, not to Southern California. They were headed east, and she immediately confronted Lawrence Singleton, who went by the name of Larry, by the way. And she says, look, you're going the wrong way. And, you know, he immediately played it off like most predators do. Oh, it was an honest mistake. Um, and he insisted he, he just had to use the bathroom. And once he relieved himself, they'd get back on the road. So 
you know, he drove him to kind of a secluded area. It wasn't that secluded. It was where he felt that he can get away with what he was, what he had in mind. He pulled over and she got out first from the passenger side seat, uh, door and she noticed that her shoelace was untied. At that particular moment, she felt that she would swoop down to tie her shoe and when she heard him open the car door, the van door, she was going to bolt and run away. She felt that she could outrun this guy. He looked out of shape. She was much younger. Unfortunately, as soon as the door closed, he rushed over there. Even a fat, out of shape guy can move pretty quickly when he needs to. And suddenly, she was hit in the back of the head twice with a sledgehammer. So, again, this guy knew exactly what he was going to do. He, there was no hesitation. I often talk about when someone is a newbie, someone who hasn't done this before, someone who hasn't thought it through and has practice will sometimes hesitate and give a person a chance to get away. This guy was well-versed in the art of basically abducting a woman or a child and then having his way with her, which is what he did. After he subdued her, he knocked her out basically, he then tied her hands, took her in the back of the van, and he sexually assaulted her. In the worst of terms, he raped her uh, repeatedly in the back of the van. And then once that ordeal was done and it was late at night already, he then drove them to a secluded area, a more secluded area near a canyon. And he raped her again. And then the 15 year old child, she said, please just set me free. Please, I won't say anything. Please just set me free. Those are the words of a 15 year old child to the ears of Lawrence. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Singleton. And then when I come back, we'll discuss what he did in response to her request. Hey, man, I'm back. Yeah, so now he uh, executes a very horrendous act. And that's how he got his name, I guess. So. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, the um, the light began to brighten the sky, and Singleton, after hearing her request, walked to the back of the van. From a toolbox that he had back there, he pulled out a hatchet, and he yelled at her, "You want to be free? Um, I'll set you free!" He yelled. He then grabbed her her hands. And he struck the left arm first, severing it just below the elbow. Then he cut off the right arm in the same manner. He then believed that she was dead 
because she was unconscious. She was semi-conscious from the loss of blood and shock. He then threw her off a cliff and she awoke and she was smart enough. This, this child that had just been brutally raped and assaulted with a hatchet had no arms. She was naked, had the presence of mind to think. She stuck her hands, or what was left of her arms actually, in mud to stop the bleeding. And you gotta understand, these are, there's major veins and in, in, in arteries in your arms. She was able to stop the bleeding with the mud. And then she walked naked, basically dying from the severed limbs. For three miles she walked until she flagged down a couple that were driving by. They took her to a hospital and thank God they caught this guy right away. They uh, brought him to court and they convicted him because of this brave child's testimony that put him behind bars for what is he, in my opinion, a mockery of justice. They gave him 11 years for this, for abducting a child, raping the child repeatedly, and then severing both of her arms. Of those 11 years, because he was a teacher's aide in prison, he did only eight years and a parole board decided that he was eligible because he was no longer a danger to society. Now, I don't know what psychiatrist, psychologist, or parole board allowed this guy to go outside. In my opinion, a guy that does these type of things, mayhem, torture, rape, he is a broken individual. There are no rehabilitative programs. There is no rehabilitation from this type of act, especially against a child. And I've talked about this before. This is not a secret. This is something that I've hit all my life. I speak how I feel about these guys. And there is no rehabilitation for this guy. But I don't make the rules. He was set free. He was placed in a number of different counties in the Bay Area. Contra Costa was one of them. And people found out who he was, and they immediately, they looked like the villagers trying to, with fire and, and, uh, and pitchforks, wanted to lynch the uh, Frankenstein. They moved him from county to county, trying to get him into a community that nobody would accept him. And that's why we were talking earlier about Governor George Duke Mason, a Republican, decided to use taxpayer dollars, put him in a trailer at San Quentin Prison for his safety for a year, and then set him free with no parole. So think about that. This is a type of lack of presence of mind and irresponsible governing that you can do. So instead of putting this guy say, hell, look, you screwed up, you find a community, you live in it, if someone shoots your funny ass, that's your problem. Get a, get a freaking a, a bulletproof vest, whatever it may be. And actually, they, they put a bulletproof vest on them when they took them out of those counties because they didn't want to kill them. But the mistake that the governor made was he 
put him in a safety zone for a year where he can go, come as he wants. He was there when I was there. I mean, everybody talked about the trailer on the grounds of San Quentin that the governor had put in there for. And once he did his year there, he left San Quentin with zero parole, meaning he can go wherever he wanted to go, do whatever he wanted to do, and no one would monitor him. And, well, here we go again. Guess what he did? Well, it's obvious. It should have been obvious then what he was going to do without supervision. I mean, why was he getting all of these privileges? How is he different than just your average homeless guy? I don't see the government buying them a trailer. Well, exactly. And, and that is the, the short-sightedness and the, and the lack of basically of responsible thinking by a governor. The he just dropped the ball, and it cost someone else their life. And this is, you know, I always talk about responsibility. You know, uh, when I was 18 years old, I committed a crime. A life was taken. And I paid for that crime. I spent 41 years in prison. I'm still in prison. This guy does what he does. And you have a governor giving him a trailer. There is a sense of responsibility when you do these kind of crimes that you have to pay society back. I do what's called a living amends. Every day I educate people on these type of monsters so they don't become victims. It's my way of contributing. This guy, all he was doing is taking up space. He should not have continued living. They should have just taken him back to the courthouse and shot him. Honestly, you know how I feel about this man. Anytime the child is involved, there is no mercy for me. I'm not one of those guys who can be politically correct and tell them that they should cover the guy, give him some psychology courses, and psychiatrically evaluate him and give him some medication. It doesn't work for me like that. So let, let's talk about what he did once he left the um, the prison. So this clown decides then to move to Florida. He, um, because he was sentenced to such a low amount of time, there is actually a law now that's called the, the Singleton Law. And it basically puts a person in prison for the rest of their life for doing these kind of acts. Um, the young lady, Mary Vincent, also won a civil uh, judgment against him, winning more than $2.5 million. But of course, she didn't get that money back. You know, she didn't get that money. He said he was broke. So she got nothing. Right. So this clown, yeah, by the way, it's called the Singleton Bill, and it was enacted in, um, in 1987. So this clown then gets out and goes to Florida where he was brought up at. And in the 1990s, he kind of stayed out of the limelight. He hasn't been caught for anything except for petty stuff. He steals a camera that costs like 12 bucks, you know, and then in the winter, he receives a two-year prison term for stealing a hat. You know, he tells the judge that he's just confused and all this other stuff. We know that's not to be true, don't we, Matt? We've seen cases for old men who say that they're only petty thieves, that they steal women's underwear, 
they steal some dog food, and that's all they do. But actually, that's a compulsion. In truth, they're serial killers. And they rape and kill women and children when they're really, no one knows about it. They're getting away with it. And I think that's exactly what Singleton done. Before 1978, at 50, 51 years of age, when he did this to Mary Vincent, he was actually already guilty of killing other people, other women, other children. I don't have specifics. I can't tell you who they were because so many people go missing. And as we saw from his MO, he threw her off a cliff. How many bodies have we found in ravines, in cliffs in the 1970s that no one can identify? Yeah, and, and this guy was a serial killer. Something that jumped out to me what does it make you think of when he's stealing a disposable camera? What, what was he going to do with that exactly. camera? Right? I mean, exactly. that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. All right. Um, yeah, this guy had, he had all the makings of a person that was doing things against the law, but he wasn't cut for it. But, of course, as I've said before, you can't hide who you really are for too long. It always comes out. There's no way that you can hide this. So, he, in 1987... He's at it again, but this time he—he's a little bit. Um, how do you want to say it? He's—he's he's confident, and he is really just being who he is. And it is the person that did this to Mary Vincent. He is um, brought down by the police department because the neighbor, a painter actually went to the house and while looking through a window he sees a woman on her knees and singleton attacking her now i don't know about you man but this is a part that pisses me off so much all that pisses me off but instead of this clown smashing through the window jumping through it grabbing singleton by the throat and just bashing his head or beating the crap out of him, he runs away and calls the police, which I get it. You want to call the cops? Absolutely. But when a person is in mortal danger because someone is killing them, forget calling the cops, forget the cell phone to take pictures and videos of it you can put on TikTok or anywhere else so you can get some freaking friends and some likes. Break through the window or to the door and stop it. Yeah, it's to, that simple. To be clear, well, he witnessed him stabbing this woman to death yeah yes her name is roxanne hayes he stabbed her multiple times in the upper bodily in the throat the chest the back the ribs he just kept stabbing her and she was a mother of three and um they arrested him i mean look he was guilty and the part that i guess makes me feel at least satisfied that this young woman, Mary Vincent, who was the first victim, actually did her due diligence. She went beyond the call of duty. This is, she is to me, in my opinion, a hero. She traveled from California to Florida, and she testified against Singleton. Um, and she described what he did to her. 
cutting off her hands, her arms. Um, obviously, what the entire ordeal she went through that night of being tortured and raped. And they found Singleton guilty in 1998, sentenced him to death. Um, he was already old, and I don't think he got his due um, punishment. They sentenced him to death, but he nothing happened because less than three years later, because of poor health, he died. So he lived his life, again, being taken care of by the state of Florida this time in his own little apartment. And the victims, in my opinion, did not receive due justice. No, not at all. There should have never been a second victim. And who knows how many other victims there were. Um, so that, That's absolutely right. I couldn't tell what pissed me off more. Oh, we can, we can get into it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, what really irritated me was that he's such a coward. He blamed the stabbing death of this Roxanne Hayes on she was apparently stealing money from his wallet. Do I believe that? I don't know. But to suggest that if someone steals money from your wallet that you are permitted to stab them to death 20 50 times is uh pretty it's a pretty offensive piece of logic there don't you think well let's let's be uh, let's be clear about this lawrence singleton is a liar we have seen this before and I, I don't know how many times i repeat myself on this stuff is that these serial killers always look for something to justify what they're doing it's a it's a human response a human reaction to try and cover what you do he hired her as a sex worker to come to his home and whether you believe in, in sex workers or you don't it's the oldest profession in the world but in the same token she was there as a sex worker. So already, his mind is on something that we know. Sex gets into the, into the equation, he acts, the monster comes out. He never had any intention of letting her go. He brought her there to his house that day to kill her. She did not steal any money from his wallet. She did not haggle over a prize. They agreed on a prize before she got there. He killed her because he wanted to because that impulse inside of him could not be controlled. And that type of a killer always has to kill again. It's what they're born to do. Lawrence Singleton is a serial killer rapist. And I'm willing to bet my life on the fact that she did not steal anything from him. That is a story he made up. And we've seen numerous serial killers always come up with an excuse as to why they stabbed that particular person or killed that particular person. It's usually the person, the victim, did something to them. Right. So another thing I found really interesting about this case is Mary Vincent. She's assaulted. She has her arms cut off. She's thrown down a cliff. She climbs up the cliff. She walks three miles. She's in the hospital after surviving. She stays awake and however she pulled this off, I, I think maybe she has a pretty uh, artistic 
talent, but she somehow got the mugshot, or not the mugshot, the composite sketch of this guy, to be very, very accurate. And I think that's how he was caught, was his, one of his neighbors just recognized him. I'm sure they knew he was a creep in the first place. But, you know, I read these accounts of survival. I'm kind of a nerd, you know. Uh, Hugh Glass, the story, you know, that the film The Revenant was based on. Um, all this true stuff about Moby Dick I'm really into, but this is like one of the most impressive cases of someone surviving trauma that I've ever heard of. Yeah, I agree. And I said earlier that I believe that Mary Vincing is a hero. If I had the opportunity, I would love to meet this person to talk to her, just see from my own, in my own eyes to see the, the, the will to live. This was a 15-year-old child, and she experienced, in my opinion as well, one of the most heart-wrenching tra- physical trauma and emotional traumas a person can go through to be sexually assaulted all night from this creep, and then to have your arms chopped off, thrown off a cliff, and you have the will to live uh, that propels her to climb three miles, three miles out of this basically hole in the ground with no arms, bleeding to death, naked, and find your way to a car, and then give a description that catches this guy. In my opinion, Mary Vincent is a hero, and I wish only the best for her in her entire life. It's been a long time since this ordeal went through. It happened to her. I hope that she's living a good life. I know that she's done. A number of different podcasts and she's spoken about her ordeal in my opinion she is a hero it doesn't even seem possible i if you know i wasn't familiar with this case until yesterday but if this were fiction i would just say it's not plausible no one can survive that long with their arms um, being chopped off yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's just mind-boggling, the, the will of the human spirit. And when you see acts of heroism, where you see you know firemen go through buildings to pull a child out, they're burning, their skin is burning, and they're able to do it, or, or a police officer helps a person come out and get out of a car while a car is about to blow up. And, and then you see our, our servicemen you know, crossing a field against communism or, or to help someone's human rights and they're being shot at or they're being shot in numbers of, and they carry their fallen comrades on their shoulders across the enemy lines. It's the stuff that makes the human spirit swell because you just cannot help but tip your hat to that type of uh, tenacity, that type of will, and Mary Vincent has it. She is, by all accounts, a true hero. Yeah, and I think we mentioned it, but Singleton died of a heart attack in prison, so we got that going for us. Um, I guess we'll leave it there for now. You you said uh, off the air that you need to talk to the warden or the captain. Is there something going on or just basic, you know? Yeah, there is. I'm actually at Corcoran Prison. I am uh, heading a youth corps group to help uh, children that have been in a bit of trouble or maybe are lacking in school and we are trying to set up a pro I'm trying to set up a program right now it's called Youth Corps where we can bring these kids into the prison so we can mentor them 
the guys that I've picked, uh, there's five other guys, so six of us total right now, and we're meeting with a warden, associate warden, to try and put this program, initiate this program, in order to heat, help some of California youth and expand it beyond that. Uh, I think that sometimes parents are overburdened with work, career, etc., and don't have sometimes the patience or the time to communicate with kids, and they, and they go astray. And I'm, I'm here to make sure that we can help those kids in any way with job opportunities. I'm going to be bringing in law enforcement officers, as well as fire department, the military. Uh, I'm going to bring people from uh, different colleges that uh, offer AA programs free of charge to people in the community and kind of give these kids options, not just tell them that they can you know, go to college or go to the military. I'm going to have the people there in order to give them an opportunity and aside from that, mentor them with the tablet where I can text these kids if they're in a situation where they feel they're being pressured by gang members or a young lady's pressured by a guy. She could always text one of the members and they can give her advice on what to do or they can make a phone call to law enforcement to help them. We're really trying to do good. I'm trying to do good here. And I just been tapped on the shoulder this morning by the lieutenant captain here to form an NA and AA program for guys that suffer, suffer from substance abuse and alcoholism. And I'll be heading, heading those classes as well. Very cool. So we'll let you get to that meeting and leave it there for now. Until next time, I've been Matt Ralston. And I'm William McGarrow. Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Your life can depend on it. We'll see you next time.